0: we say to this
1: episode of the Freed Thinker Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vella. On this episode, we're going to wrap up our discussion with my friend and atheist, Corey Markham on moral philosophy, and finally, the problem of evil. Before we do that, I need to shamelessly plug my book, uh, Measuring McAfee, Why One Atheist Attempt to Disprove Christianity Misses the Mark. Pick up your copy in paperback or on Kindle today at Amazon. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, please consider signing up as a sponsor on Patreon or follow the links on the blog to the Podbean sponsor page. Now, before going into this episode, I'd like to do a little commentary on the last two episodes. It's not something I typically do, but I'd like to give a little bit of clarification. Many of you know that the moral argument was one of the arguments that God used to bring me to theism, but it was also an integral component in my earlier departure from naturalism and atheism. I came to a point where I understood that if the proposition, raping a small child for fun is evil, was false, then almost nothing could be considered true in an ethical sense and that any premise used to argue against that position would be intrinsically less probable than the truth of the moral fact itself that raping a small child for fun is evil. I also understood that that moral premise could only logically be true if and only if God existed. That means that the evidence for God a moral fact that raping a small child for fun is wrong, is intrinsically more probable than any premise that could possibly be used to deny it. I also think that we can defend our moral intuition in the same way that we can any one of our senses. Whatever argument that could be lobbied against our moral intuition would equally apply to our sense of sight, for example. Does the fact that we evolved our sense of sight mean that there is no objectively existing tree outside my window that I observe? No and neither does the premise that morality is not objective because our moral intuition may be evolved. Does the fact that people's sense of sight differ and no one sees the same tree or the same colors exactly the same way mean that there's no objectively existing tree outside of my window that I'm observing? No, and neither does the premise that morality is not objective because there are uh, differing moral beliefs and divergent moral positions. Does the fact that the tree may be cut down or wasn't always observed mean that there is not now in this context an objectively existing tree outside of my window for me to observe? No, and neither then does the premise that morality is not objective because we observe a change in moral beliefs over time. That is, any objection to the moral realist view relies on propositions or premises or principles that, if adopted, would lead to utter solipsism in any other realm of discourse. I have no more reason to doubt the existence of a realm of objectively existing moral facts as I do to doubt the existence of an objectively existing tree outside my window. Now, any argument used to try and convince me that there isn't an objectively existing tree outside of my window would be intrinsically less probable than the fact of my observation of the tree outside of my window. Likewise, it seems that any premise used in support of an argument to the effect that there are no objective moral values would be intrinsically less probable than the direct observation of the objective moral fact itself that raping a small child for fun is evil. So I hope that clarifies some of the comments that I've made so far over the past two episodes. And with that, let's dive right back in as Corey and I now transition in our discussion to the topic of the problem of evil. Again, before, if you haven't listened to the past two episodes, I recommend picking up those uh, and listening to those before continuing here. For those of you who have listened to the past two episodes, enjoy the show. But let's move on. So now, now at least we have some of the concepts, some of the views um, about morality out on the table. Um, we don't have to have you know rabbit trails later on. Um, so let's get into. Let's move on to the problem of evil. Um, you, uh, we, for for the listeners, there are um, th- a, a thousand and a half. Uh, different versions right, right. Uh, of the problem of evil. There, there are a crap ton of them. Um, if, if anyone interested, there's a really good book called The Many Faces of Evil uh, by John Feinberg um, that goes over uh, a bunch of them and shows that look for every theological system you could tailor make uh, a problem of evil. Uh, And goes through some of the theodicies and responses to that. Um, Broadly speaking though, there's going to be three or so categories that all of these arguments fall into. Um, there's going to be a logical problem of evil, which is going right. to say, right. "Look, there's there's a there's a logical contradiction between the existence of God and the existence of evil," and and, and these logical versions are going to try to show uh, what that what that what that um, contradiction is. Uh, there's an evidentialist or a, prob- um, a probabilistic version, um, which is going to say, "Look, look, given evil, uh, it's 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 improbable um, that 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 God exists. It's it, it's evidence against." The existence of God it might not show deductively a contradiction so that if evil exists God can't exist uh, but it, but it's it's evidence uh, in it, it's evidence admitted into 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 the case um, and then finally is the is the existential um, version the existential or religious uh, problem of evil um, those are really going to be we're we're not going to talk about those here those those are the questions of um, you know my Uh, Someone could say, you know, my, my child died. Uh, Why, why am I suffering uh, this evil? That's going to be, that's going to be much more of a, on a personal level. um, You know, I I think neither Corey or I would, would say, look, if someone has those types of questions, give them the logical version. Um, You know, (laughs) be, be a friend of that person. Don't, don't. You know, try to argue philosophy yeah. with them at that point. Um, so those are kind of the third different kinds. So Corey has uh, given uh, me in advance uh, a version of the logical argument that he's going to talk about, uh, and and the evidential version that he's going to talk about. I will put both of these in the show notes. So when we're talking about you know premise three or premise five or whatever it is, uh, you can have those at your fingertips. So um, Corey, why don't you uh, let's start out with. Um, uh, the logical version. By the way, there there is a thread going uh, it, uh, on Corey's uh, wall where where we're discussing these issues. Uh, but some of that conversation, I'm sure, will happen uh, in in the Freed Thinker group as well. Uh, but Corey, why don't you start off uh, present present the argument itself, the the seven premises, uh, and then I'll give you my my initial response, and we can we can go from there.
0: Sure, sure, and then, and also, just to, uh, I think, so I'm going to run this initial logical version, and I think that, uh, I think ultimately that, as it is currently stated, that you're going to be e- pretty easily be able to get around it, and so we'll state it at first, and I and I think it's appropriate too because it's going to be able to get us into the the meat of these issues and and just to get into theodicy and sort of the ways you would begin to respond, right? But but I also, I, I if I have time, I would like to also restate it right after that. By qualifying it with essentially just adding in gratuitous, and so in other words, Mackie initially his his the, the in mean, his original paper and his arguments were were essentially just the idea that, like you said, that there's a logical inconsistency or incompatibility with the existence of evil and the existence of God, and I think that um we can you know tinker and sort of qualify that a bit further and say that uh it's or at least to say that it's more you that we have we're on better ground to say. That there's a logical inconsistency with the existence of gratuitous evil or harm and the existence of God. But okay, but anyway, so let's – but like you said, let's so – just the first um, stating a formulation of it would just be to say, so one, uh, if God exists, then God is morally perfect, uh, all-powerful, and all-knowing. Two, if God is all-powerful, then God has the power to eliminate all evil. Three, if God is omniscient or all-knowing, then God knows when evil exists. Four, if God is perfectly moral, then God has the desire to eliminate all evil. Uh, And then five, uh, but evil exists. Six, if if evil and God exist, then either God doesn't have the power to eliminate all evil or doesn't know when evil exists or doesn't have the desire to eliminate all evil. And seven, therefore, uh, God doesn't exist. So that would be just, just right off the bat. That's sort of the initial way that I would state it just to get the ball rolling.
1: Right. So at, at this point, um, and, and we're not going to go into a bunch of detail at this point, um, I would point um, the, the listeners to philosophers like Alvin Plantinga um, and others. So in, in the same way uh, previously where I said um, in, in the last episode, uh, I said, you know, granted, you don't have to prove that it's true. You just have to prove that it's possible. Uh, in this case, Plantinga gives a, a response to this where I don't need to prove that it's true. I only need to prove that it's logically possible, because remember, the, the argument is trying to show that there's a logical contradiction between the two. Uh, on this case, Plantinga, uh, I, think, I think the, the, um, the premise that, that his uh, free will defense would come against would be, would be really categorized under four. Uh, if God is perfectly moral, then God has a desire to eliminate all evil. Um, Plantinga is going to say, well, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, God might have morally sufficient reasons for allowing the evil that that occurs in the world, and he gives an example of, of free will. So he he's going to say, "Look, free will is at least log- It's at least logically possible that free will is is of such a good um, that the abuse of free will uh, is worth the risk. Um, that that that." Um, with with uh, you know Spiderman, with great power comes a great responsibility. With, uh, with freedom of the will, comes the freedom to to do bad things with the will. you know um, and, and so God might allow uh, evil. Um, in order to protect the good of, of, of human freedom. And so, and so what that's going to do is that's going to undermine four, uh, that God has a desire to eliminate all evil. And it's going to say, well, God might not have a desire. You know, He might have a desire to eliminate all evil, uh, but he might not have an overriding desire uh, to eliminate all evil such that he actually would eliminate all evil uh, if it was within his power to do so. Um, so I, I think that that resolves – again, it, that doesn't have to be true. Uh, that doesn't mean that God therefore exists. Uh, it just means that the the argument itself uh, doesn't the, – the conclusion doesn't logically follow um, because there there's a problem with one of the premises.
0: Right, right. OK. And so there's a few ways to go from there. Uh, so um, one way would be – maybe a, w- a kind of way to shortcut this would be to say that – um, because suppo- I have some a lot of a lot of things to say in response to the free will defense. First of all, um, I think there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's it almost surprises me how much. Um, how I mean, I think Alvin Plantinga is one of the greatest, you know, philosophers alive. And it, like it seems, I, I, in my naive eyes, I, there seems to be a lot of issues with the free will defense. But, um, the one, you know, what if I just imagine, just for a, just for the sake of discussion, that I was to would have qualified um, my the the mentioning of evil in the argument with the word natural, right? So, in other words, like w- one of the distinctions that is often made in this in this realm is the distinction between moral evil and natural evil and moral evil would be any sort of evil that is brought about by the free will of of human beings of agents uh, and natural evil would be any sort of evil that uh, happens as a result of just natural processes of the world or of nature, or of etc. Like, so that would include anything, anything from um, genuine like diseases that genuinely happen just naturally, that just occur, say from genetic defects and can't be pointed to, um, you know, something that say the parents may have done, you know, that that caused those genetic defects, or or especially you know, and more typically, uh, earthquakes and tornadoes, hurricanes, lions, tigers, bears, oh my, you know, right. the whole. The whole thing. So, yeah, so that would be my first thing is just out of curiosity, I mean, suppose that I did just uh, just qualify it a little tiny bit in such a way that the focus was a logical mo- uh, problem of evil on natural evil as opposed to moral evil just as a way to kind of get around that initial planet of uh, free will defense.
1: Right. So so, um you know, I, I know you're you're a fanboy and you have my my tattoo or my face tattooed on you uh, and you listen and memorize every single episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did, did you did you uh, honestly did you get a chance to listen to the last episode that I had on um, Calvinism as an apologetic? You can say no. There's I no. did not. Okay. I, so I did not.
0: Um, Honesty is a virtue. Uh,
1: it, uh, well, it, on, on non-theistic <laughs> worldview, that might not be the case. Uh, so there, there, uh, there, awesome. there there's a certain. Okay, you, you you open the door. I can't. You know. I cannot. Um, there, there's.
0: Um, I know. I know. I know.
1: I'll try. I'll try to state this briefly, um, because because you know, while while my listeners have probably listened to those past episodes, it's not fair for me to try to unload it on you without having without having engaged with it. Uh, but there's a certain point where I'm going to say yeah. um, there there's a there's I'm going to answer this uh, biblically more so than philosophically, um, and, and 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 there there's a certain case where as a Calvinist I'm going to say, look um, the the chief end of the chief end of man is glorify God. Um, the chief end of creation is not to glorify man. Um, there there's there's a there's there's I, I criticize a lot of my fellow uh, apologists and Christian philosophers for this because while I think planning as free will defense um, works great philosophically to show a problem I don't think that that's the Bible's answer um, to the problem of, of evil or natural evil um, but, but work, it works it's a really it's a really simple answer to show that the syllogism doesn't work so that's why I still would use it but there's a there's a certain sense where I'm sure. gonna say look uh, my my answer to the problem of evil overall, I, I uh, evil, moral evil, personal evil, natural evil, anything like that, is that biblically speaking, th- which you know I don't hide that I, that I'm a Christian in this is that creation, the role and purpose of creation uh, is for us uh, to to glorify to glorify God. Right. Um, for, and, and you know, there could be objections to that. Well, got a narcissist or whatever. Uh, that could, that could be a separate issue, but as far yeah. as, as far as evil and suffering is concerned, um, there, there's a certain sense where I'm going to say, look, uh, uh, evil is a, re- is, is, is a response of the fall. It's a response of sin, natural evil. Um, th- that's much harder. I, I think there's a case that, that, that is also a, a part of the fall. Um, that's a little bit much harder to draw that as a, as a straight line. Um, but there's a certain sense where I'm going to say, even natural evil, uh, even disease, um, there there's some there's some uh, redemptive aspects to it. There's there's um, I react in a certain way to give God glory in the face of disease um, differently than I would in a world with no disease. Um, there there's a sense where, and, and this is this is uh, honestly where um, I know that it'll talk past some atheists. Um, I think that you know. Even if you don't agree with me, I think you know what I mean. Um, there's a certain sense where I'm going to say, um, "Look, I mean, you you might not know this about me, but I I have a, a debilitating condition that basically will give me uh, lifelong pain um, for you know every day for the rest of my life." There's a certain sense where where I I have to trust and rely on God as a Christian, um, where I wouldn't have to if I didn't have that. Um, so so you know in the same way that you know um uh planning on others might point to you, you use the dentist example. We could say, Oh, well, you know, we, yeah. we might, we might have small evils as examples there. There might be larger reasons that God has for on a type of butterfly effect. I can say, look, there, there, there might be uh, that, you know, that, that small example of, of my um, persistent issue um, could be a, a small microcosm of, of much larger reasons for why there's much larger natural evils. Um, In in the world. Um, And so and so I think that that would be even if you inserted natural, I still don't think that there's there's I I still don't think four would follow because God might not have an overriding desire to eliminate all the evils because there might be a, a much larger good, biblically speaking, God's God's glory. Um, that that I think uh, works, and I think that that has the benefit of, uh, at least from a Christian perspective, being uh, true. Whereas the f- the free will defense, I don't need to present it as being true. I just need to present it as being logically possible.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's and again that isn't that is imp- important too. That uh, that I would agree that. Insofar that the free, de- free will defense was successful, that, that, that is all that would be uh, necessary and, in terms of responding to the logical problem. evil would just be to show that, well, in fact, it is possible um and then you know that's why you that's why ultimately i do think that an evidential version is, is is stronger but but i mean just i do have let me say a few more things about the free will defense because again i although i i think i hear some slight reservation in your voice about you know like in that you don't really want to put too much into it and perhaps that's because you i think you you can see some of the some of the potential problems with it but um but i, I and even in spite of perhaps your specific view I think you'd have to admit that certainly a lot of people would uh, this is one of the first things that w- someone would point to in response to evil um, and it, even to the extent where they seem to just not even think about natural evil uh, and so for instance like someone like uh, Francis Collins the you know the famous uh, geneticist uh, who was head of the human genome project who's also famously a Christian you know he, he sort of at one point in his book um, which is a fascinating book I read it and I loved every minute of it by the way Um, at one point he sort of talks about prop the problem of evil and you know he i'll grant him he he really only gives it a few like a paragraph or so so you know he clearly wasn't giving it a full-on treatment but he, he essentially just said something to the effect that you know um evil is explained by free will like god had to give us free or rather god was for whatever reason so inclined to give us free will and then it follows necessarily that you know they're they're be some evil or at least that it's possible that there would be evil and that he uh, on giving us the free will he wouldn't be able to interfere and you know as you know that also and we and we could have an episode on Calvinism right just that but uh, where I could come on and talk to you but we could also just get into the whole stone paradox and, and whether or not um, what that means to say that God created creatures with Wills uh, in such a way that he wouldn't be able to to affect them, and because that would maybe some would argue that that would seem to say that God would kind of put, put limitations on himself, and but I mean, but but you know that's sort of that's again that's another side, but so yeah, and,
1: and I mean, I mean just to just to kind of jump in, I mean my yeah. my my major objection, and and by the way this this is. Um, this is a courtesy that I don't think a lot of um, uh, kind of the the internet infidel type of um, new atheists would would give um, to planning goes, is I'm going to say, look, I, I think as a response to the logical problem, um, it's it's a defeater for the argument. I, I think it does show the logical argument um, um, doesn't doesn't go through. But I ultimately have a problem with because uh, I have major reservations um, about it being true. Yeah. So 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 functionally because I I mean my my major objection is to it just look look I mean I can conceive of a possible world where God creates hundred percent free agents um, and none of them do evil um, so, you know so so surely uh, an omniscient God can can think of uh, much more ways um, to, to do that so um, which, which, so, so, the, the, my concern is much more of the utility um, uh, of the objection because even if it shows that the lot that it's not um, the the logical problem doesn't go through, um, I think because there's so many problems with seeing it as a true solution, um, it's almost like a smoke screen where people then think, well, then it doesn't actually. Um, Defeat the logical problem, um, and and I think largely that's that's actually why the logical problem um, has almost no. Um no, almost no academic scholarly support, but it's still very much alive and well uh, among among you know kind of lay uh, atheists and and philosophers um, because because I think that that distinction between kind of um, uh, 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 you know it, it being a logical defeater um, and its um, you its its rhetorical utility um, I think professional philosophers are much more adept at kind of navigating um, that where kind of the lay philosophers um, aren't as adept. Um, and yeah. That. And so so I'm just not sure the utility of it um, outside of talking with someone like yourself, who who is who is able to see, look, yeah, it, it does show that there is no contradiction. So it, it is a defeater in that sense.
0: Yeah, and so and so, what I would just what I would follow up on that is again, I don't want to like I think I, it's fair what you said about natural evil, right? And and especially given that it it does, if we're, if you're taking a, a particular Christian view, then the natural evil isn't as much of a problem essentially as it would be for someone who maybe isn't so in a non-Calvinist position. Right, and,
1: but, and and at that point, sorry, to to uh, but no, no time. No, but just, but, keep but
0: doing so, yeah, keep doing it.
1: Uh, clear. Uh, but but at, at this point, um, I I would also like to point out, um, and I and I for anyone who wants a little bit more, I, I I think I spent about ten minutes of this on one episode. Go back to the episode called um, "Shall Not the Judge of Earth uh, Shall Not the Judge of All the Earth uh, Do What Is Just." Um, the problem of evil is a type of argument known as an internal critique. Um, it, it it basically says, look. Um, Within your theological perspective, if we grant some of the, if for the sake of argument we grant some of these things, we can show that a logical contradiction arises. So it's a kind of it's a kind of uh, internal uh, reductio argument where it's where it's saying if we grant that theism is true, then granting it entails logical contradictions, and so therefore it can't be true. Um, and so responses to it. So again, um. While I think Calvinism is true, I I think that, you know, God did create us uh, uh, for his glory and all all that, Um, I still don't need to show that it's true. I just need to show that within uh, kind of a biblical Christian worldview, there's resources to resolve the contradiction. Yeah. Um, And it still functions as a defeater. So for atheists (laughs) listening to this being like, well, you're assuming the Bible uh, and that kind of thing, I I, I can just point out, well, look – I'm allowed to because it's an internal critique. It's saying, look, on your Christian worldview, if you grant the existence of God, the biblical God, uh, then this logical contradiction uh, comes about. So, so what I'm allowed to do is I'm allowed to say, okay, well, we're we're talking about from within my Christian worldview. So within that Christian worldview, there's other resources that we can bring in to resolve the contradiction. Um, so, so for those of you who are like, well, you can't just, you know, uh, you know, Corey, don't let him get away with assuming, you know, Calvinism or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, there's there's a certain I, point where, I have- yeah. So, so I'm I'm allowed to make that assumption within an internal critique. So, um, sorry, so sorry well, to interrupt. We can keep, keep going
0: on that. It's okay. It's so interesting because it's like I couldn't have stated better your your the whole notion of an internal critique. And as you know, I mean, we may or may not get into this, but one of the common charges that's thrown, I think, in my in my eyes, it's sort of a a, you know a I'm not going to say lazy. But it's 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 definitely not one of the best responses to the problem of evil. Um, it's, it's just to, just to say that the atheist can't even run the problem of evil because he has to assume moral realism, and furthermore, you know, in order to have more realism, kind of as you were saying with the moral argument, you need to already believe in God. And so, in other words, the person who tries to run the problem of evil against the existence of God ends up just shooting himself in his own foot because he's affirming God in order to prove God wrong. And so, and so, it's one of the responses to that is precisely what you said that. Well, actually, uh, what we what we can say we're doing here is we're just trying to point out internal inc- internal inconsistencies within the worldview. So we would just that. So I'm just that, that's just on another aside. It's just interesting that you said that because that's again that's that would be one of the way, things that I would respond to that. But but um, so the I really wanted to talk about. Um, you're probably familiar with the, the particular particularly nasty instance of natural evil that John Perry describes in his, uh, his book Dialogue on Good Evil and the Existence of God um, because, again, I think that there are – it's clearly the case, it seems to me at least, um, that free will um, – leaving aside the further objections that I'm about to raise, that it doesn't say anything about, say – the you know the, ph- the phenomenon of and this is this is from his book john perry where you have the bat right you have baby bats that just as a sheer matter of of gravity and circumstance every once in a while fall to the cave floor and in process break their wing or wings and pretty much at that point what happens is well as you can imagine i mean they're on the ground they're depending on how long the bats have been in this cave you know there are layers and layers of excrement um, just laying there and so the baby bat falls down into the the guano the you know foot feet and feet of guano in some of these caves and what happens at that point is b- a bench, bunch basically all the creepy crawlers that are crawling around in the in the feces you know walks up and or crawls up excuse me and eats the bat alive essentially right. and and of course one point immediately to point out is well I, earlier I was trying to say that one of the important, one of the, it seems to me, one of the crucial, um, uh, one of the crucial starting points and or aspects of morality would seem to be that you have to have consciousness or you know some sort of subjective experience and so one could point to that and say hey how do we know that the bat is conscious and and granted i mean i don't know if the bat is conscious but but if the bat is conscious (laughs) i mean that would seem to me to be a great example of how the free will defense has says nothing about that and um but but leaving that aside because again i know that you don't think that that's not really that that's not a great response I have a lot of other stuff to say about the, the, the free will defense and the first thing would just be that um, it, it very much depends on your view of, of free will right so assuming a sort of libertarian view um, I think his defense works uh, uh, but if we were to take more of a compatibilist view and again a compatibilism I'm thinking of some secular <laughs> compatibilism but you know you if you're a Calvinist then maybe this will be you'll be sympathetic to this in other words it, it seems to me that if we do Take a sort of compatibilist uh, standpoint where you can have free will or you can have some sort of free will and mind you they, they sort of qualify and reframe what they mean when they see free will but but that you can have some sort of free will and yet there can still be – it still can be the fact that, that you're being determined and if that's the case – uh, then it would seem to be that we could have been given this sort of compatibilist free will and still we could have been determined to you know, to not do certain things. And, and, and maybe – you know, what? again, I, like I said, I have a lot of different stuff, but maybe we could, we could just sort of – I'll just list my brief little version of it and then you can come back at me and then I'll just move on to my second point. I mean, that would so be my first point is that I think we have to assume a libertarian uh, standpoint on free will. Um, and if you need to unload that for the listeners, by all means, uh, I probably should have. But if we assume a libertarian uh, view on free will, then yes, I think the free will defense works. But I don't think we have to, and if we don't, I don't think it does.
1: Yeah, I think at that point I would just come back again. And so um, I, don't, I don't actually think we have to assume um, that libertarian freedom is true. Again, we just have to assume, assume that it's logically possible um, in order for it to work as a defeater against the argument.
0: So you'd just you'd just be saying that it's logically possible that libertarian free will is true, and that therefore, if it was true, that it would stand as a defeater to Mackie's. Yeah, because argument.
1: because in order in order for um, in order for the logical problem to exist, the the contradiction has to hold, um, and a contradiction can only hold if there's no logically possible way um, for for the two the two sides to to coexist. Um so I, I think what planning it does is show well no there there is a logically possible way so it's logically possible that we have freedom and it's logically possible that freedom is such a good that God would allow the evil that he allows those are both logically possible um which shows that uh the the contradiction d- doesn't hold so that the 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 argument uh is is defeated overall uh I'm I but again I I just question the utility of it <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think for most, for most philosophers, they realize, okay, yeah, that means, that means the argument isn't valid and they move on to the evidentialist version. Um, but at the same time, um, you're gonna, you're gonna come across people who are then gonna, they're, they're gonna want you to defend that that's true. Uh, whereas Planning is, yeah. and, th- and then they're gonna think it's stupid that Plantinga says, well, I don't need to defend it that it's true. And they're gonna be like, what are you talking about? You don't need to defend that it's true. It's your claim. And that's when it gets yeah. really complicated. So that's why I just, I wonder about the utility of it. Um, especially since you know, as a Calvinist, I am a compatibilist. You know, I don't hold to libertarian, to um, to libertarian freedom. So I don't hold to a hard determinism he, either, which a lot of people confuse about Calvinism. I, I am a compatibilist, not a, not a hard determinist. But um, but so that would you know, I, I would be sympathetic to that if if Planningo was trying to say, well, this actually is the way the world is. I yeah. just don't think that that's what he's trying to do.
0: He's just saying it's a possible state of affairs. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I got you. Well, so I mean I, I have a feeling that most of what most of these responses is going to kind of uh, warrant a similar response. But may, and still I think they're worth bringing up really quick. And so the next thing would be – these are just sort of my standard, what I feel my, would be my responses uh, or that are my responses to the free will defense. And the other thing would be to point out that um, it, it seems to me – and you, correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean you, you're going to be obviously far more bi- biblically literate than <laughs> myself. Um, though I certainly would say that I'm more so than most atheists. I mean most atheists haven't you know, bothered to get a, ma- uh, you know, a major in their undergraduate degree in religious studies. And so you know, they haven't bothered to take New Testament uh, courses and Old Testament courses. And I even, believe it or not, stumbled through a semester uh, a quasi-independent study with essentially – which entailed just me sitting in, a, in the room with my, one of my professors. And we went through uh, Koine or – I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly yeah. – Greek and so yeah and so and so yeah I, I like to feel i have a little bit better grasp on it than most atheists. but anyway so it seems to me that they the bible uh and this probably just affirms your compatibilism. <laughs> but the bible does seem to say that the god that god um either that you know that libertarian free will isn't true isn't cr- uh correct or that he he can totally re- reach in and affect our will and so you know the obvious the the, the Standard example would just be the the, um, the the stuff in Exodus where you know the Lord said to Moses the Pharaoh will not listen to you in order that my wonders may be multiplied in the lands of Egypt um, and you know and it cla- further clarifies what I had what I already have intuited from that that the Lord hardened Pharaoh the Pharaoh's heart and 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 it seems to me and I'm sure even if you didn't ag- you know agree with me on this that you could probably find ways to get around that but at least it seems to me that that is saying pretty strongly that well in fact. In spite of what Plantinga, who is a Christian, obviously, would say, and in spite of what many of the more sophisticated philosophers would say in response to Mackey, well, in terms of the Bible, it seems to me that this god that I so depicted can, in fact, reach in and interfere with our will. So that would be another thing, right? I'm curious to see what you'd say to that.
1: Um I, I'm I'm largely sympathetic to the import, so I, I think, um, and, and I should, by the way, um, for those of you who are listening, there are a lot of apologists who who would defend the truth of the free will <laughs> defense. Um, I don't think Plantinga is one of them because Plantinga is a, a reformed epistemologist, um, but um, there there are many who would defend it as as true. You know, you're going to have Arminians and Molinists who are going to defend uh, libertarian right. freedom, uh, and so they might actually say, well, you know, that is a true argument. Um, so so I would actually see you know you and I would agree I think that the the Bible does show um compatibilism not not libertarian freedom, although uh, just as a as a total aside um i i, I don't actually think that the, I, I would resort to the passages in exodus um because there's there's um so I think the point of those it, it has a different actual polemical um purpose yeah um, and, and and um it God wasn't actually. Um, I, I think there's a, a, a different translation rather than hardening, where he's um, actually heavying um, the heart, and has to, it, it's more of a a judicial uh, religious term within the, the Egyptian cultic uh, mythology that, that Moses is actually playing on. But that's a whole different whole different issue. I think we can look yeah. at a whole bunch of different other passages to to get what what you are what you were
0: going at. Right, right. And, yeah, that's why I say I think most of these stuff, that's, that's going to be the, the, the appropriate response, I think, is to say that given what he's trying to do and his his admitted uh, admittedly limitations and what he's trying to do, then a lot of this stuff is sort of uh, besides the point. Um, so, but, yeah, but it is nevertheless. I do think it's – first of all, it's interesting just to hear you say that because I think a lot of people, um, more, some of the more uh, – I'm not going to say, again, naive, but some of the Christians who haven't bothered to think about this stuff quite as much – would get sort of uncomfortable with the idea that, in fact, we don't have the sort of radical libertarian free will that many of us seem to have in mind, uh, and that's just—I don't know—that's just interesting. To, it's, so it's awesome in any case when you and I find something that we can, can agree with. So so awesome, yeah.
1: You you might want to listen back uh, to to the last episode on Calvinism as an apologetic, and then um, there there was a, a two part series that I did um, talking with a Molinist, uh, Rob Johnson from Apologetics One Hundred Five uh part 1 was on was on it was a, a kind of a reformation day uh celebration between the two of us where we where we debated molinism and calvinism uh part 1 was on his show and part 2 was on my show so you might actually uh enjoy that conversation as well
0: yeah i, I, I would kind of think i should go back just especially just to further understand your this whole idea of the, your calvinistic views because it's I, I do find that really interesting i that's another that's another issue that we could delve into sometime perhaps just the whole issue of free will because i think that's fascinating too like yeah. i don't and, uh, but okay, so anyway, so I, I, I hesitate I have more stuff to say about the free will of defense, but I think I might just leave them I, I was just going to say a couple stuff about um, I think it causes I, first of all, I think I think there are at least conceivable ways again that even if we assume a libertarian view of free will that God could conceivably find ways to I, I want to call it like divine influence, if you will. So, like, I think of an example of like uh, advertising or something like that. Like, I can see can can at least conceive of a way that he could at least try to uh, motivate us to do certain things and not do other things, uh, and still give us some some sort of free will. But um, and then another thing would be that I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called the free will canceling effect. It's this argument that pretty much is saying that it, to, in, if you do give people that sort of radical libertarian free will it seems to inevitably follow or at least in the, the world that we happen to live in right that in some that almost inevitably these people some other person's free will is going to be uh, canceled out if you will or almost nullified and so the example someone would point to would be someone like, you someone who takes a person and ties him up say and like joseph fritzel is this like hor- horrible monster man that i go like, like 20 30 years ago i'm not sure how far this was but you know he's this guy who in i think it was in austria where he had he had had his daughter uh like uh, uh, down in his basement just chained up for like years and you know it was she was basically his for lack of a better word his his sex toy you know it's horrible just to even talk about this it just right. it but I mean that, the point though is that, that there seems to be an issue where if you if if you imagine a god that is going to give his his creatures sort of radical freedom, it's almost like he's giving his – it's like having given children scissors, a pair of scissors and then suddenly being surprised and even being angry and judging those children for having hurt each other with those scissors. And right. I don't mean to equate freedom to scissors.
1: <laughs> no, I mean there, there's it's, – it's the, the – the way I've always heard it is it's the chainsaw. Example. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, would you would you give your three year old a chainsaw and let him loose?
0: That's much better than scissors. I'm yeah, gonna go ahead.
1: a little more graphic. Uh, and 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 I could actually and uh, you know one up you not not to not to help out uh, you know atheistic objections to <laughs> to to Christianity, but um, you know one of, one of my objections to this and and I and I look at it um, look I, I mean as a Christian I believe that I'm going to live in eternity. Um, after the resurrection. By the way, I hate when, when Christians say we live in eternity in heaven. That's just not true. Uh, that's not biblically true. Um, Interesting. But, but you know, it'll be in, in some type of a- eternal existence uh, after the resurrection where uh, we will be sinless. And, and so we either have to say um, at some point God's going to take away our freedom, and that's a good, uh, or we have to say he's going to work in such a way that we always freely choose good for all of eternity, and that's a good. Um, and, and so... I have a heart, you know, if God can do that for all of eternity after the resurrection, uh, why couldn't it happen? Conceivably it could have happened before. Now the librarian, uh, might come along and say, well, you know, you needed all of this, you know, you needed the sand, and the fall and all this kind of stuff to get to the point of the resurrection. Um, but, but I've never really heard that, uh, in such a way that I, that I think that that's necessary. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like I could I, again, if I could conceivably think of a world that started out in the same way as uh, as what happens ten seconds after the resurrection, um, surely, surely God can think of a way to do it uh, better better than I could. So, so I, yeah, I, I yeah. have other objections but, against it, it as well.
0: It's it's so interesting to hear you say – that literally was going to be my last point was the whole – the implications that this has for heaven, and I see – it seems to me that like you said, you either have to accept that in free will we're not going to – or in – excuse me <laughs> – that in heaven we're not going to have this sort of radical libertarian free will, or you have to admit that… The free will defense doesn't really work in the sense that it is, in fact, possible for there to be a state of affairs where we are free and yet the evil doesn't occur. Right. And so that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's you. I couldn't have again. I, I couldn't have said it better. You, you kind of you precipitated my next point. Um. Okay. Well. On, so yeah. So let's, on that I, note of
1: agreement, let, let's bow our heads and pray.
0: Uh, hey. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. I'm um, not that far yet. So
1: so um, we we probably have about another another twenty minutes or so left. Um, I, I'd like to get into the next version. So um, at, at, at this point, um, I, I gave you a quote before. I'll read it to the to the listeners. Um, Mackey J L Mackey, who was one of the the major proponents um, of the logical version, uh, along with um, uh, I always want to say William Rowe. Rowe is it William. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Will Rowe. Um, they were kind of like the big atheist proponents of, of the logical version, kind of in the in the. 70s or so when, when Planning was first writing. Uh, Mackey came out in 1982, kind of after that, um, and he says, uh, speaking um, in response, saying uh, of the free will defense. Uh, Since this defense is formally, that is logically possible, and its principle involves no real abandonment of our ordinary view of the opposition between good and evil, we can concede that the problem of evil does not, after all, show that the central doctrines of theism are logically inconsistent with one another, but whether this offers a real solution of the problem is another question. Um, So uh, here, Mackie, Roe, others have basically admitted, look, um, Plantinga has successfully defeated the logical version of the argument. Um, but that doesn't mean they, they gave up. Basically, Roe and Mackey uh, took all their eggs out of that basket uh, and then stuck it into um, evidential versions uh, of the argument, which are still very much uh, alive and kicking today. Uh, they're, they're, you know, there are people like myself who think that um, they're also invalid, um, but they they have a much stronger pedigree among um uh professional philosophers, both Christian and atheist um today. So um you have um a a probabilistic version, an evidentialist version uh that you'd like to present here and so let let's let's read that out um and then we can go from there.
0: Sure. Uh and just to sort of uh further your point there. I mean, I think you can sort of see this fleshed out in the both in the literature and, again, just in sort of the public um, debates that you might see on these matters, which sort of pop. there's a good way of popularizing these issues uh, in that you, you have seen a sort of, uh, there's a I wouldn't say reluctance, but the less and less often, atheists are pointing to a sort of logical argument in order to, you know, as, a, as, a, as the problem of evil. And they're more and more beginning to use different uh, evidential versions. And there's all sorts of different, ev- like you had said, I mean, there's all sorts of different problem of evil arguments. Even the logical version, as we already sort of hinted at beginning there, you can run different versions of it, uh, in a lot of different versions actually, depending on how you word it. Um, and so similarly with the evidential versions, you can, uh, there's there's different – there's an, an more inductive approaches. There's more abductive or um, – which it would be like sort of an inference of X-explanation sort of versions. and there's also, So there's there's different ways to do this. And my uh, – now, as you said, I think – I like not only did they uh, discard Mackie's original presentation of it, but as far as I know, I think even Roe – um, over the course of his career he eventually sort of did away with this original version the version that I'm gonna that I'm about to state here to he went to more uh, I mean uh, the last time I was I, I looking into it 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 was sort of a a, using Bayesian probability in order to uh further flesh it out and i must admit my ignorance in that in that realm i haven't yet got into that so um but but nevertheless i also think that even though he you know found reasons to move on to a different version i still think his first version is worth and very least worth looking into again just just like the first logical version because i just help think it help it uh clarifies a lot of these issues and i personally i just aesthetically speaking i like i like the way he put it so with that said so the Rowe's original uh, version would be uh, that, one, there exists instances of intense suffering which an omnipotent, uh, omniscient being could have prevented without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse – And two, uh, an omniscient holy good being would prevent the occurrence of any intense suffering it could unless it could not do so without thereby losing some greater good or permitting some evil equally bad or worse. Just to repeat the last clause of that last premise. And then three, the conclusion, therefore… Uh, There does not exist an omnipotent, omniscient, holy good being. Now, a lot of the listeners will probably uh, already note that, and just as you sort of hinted at, this argument isn't in a vacuum. This argument very much comes after… The logical argument was first presented by Mackey, and then after, furthermore, after the sort of the responses that were given, in particular by Plantinga. And so, you can sort of see that in the formulation of this argument. he, he try, He's trying to formulate it in such a way that it deals with it. And, and then, as also, as you said, but rather than saying just full stop that it's logically inconsistent, the idea here is it's a matter of probability. So, it's a matter of, is this, what's more probable, uh, given these? So, yeah. So, I... I I am sure you already have plenty to say but that's that would be how he origi- originally stated it and I uh, again this would be um this would be the one I would use just you know if I was to if I was to come across someone and you know they're like what's your best argument what what do you have and this would be one of the things I would immediately point to it would be this version
1: Yeah so um my main objection to this um I haven't actually seen a lot of people um Pose as an objection, um, but I think it's entirely valid. Um, so the the way that I would summarize this argument, uh, he put it very poetically and very nicely. Um, I'll put it kind of crudely, um, and again, I'll will put this version up there as well. Uh, you know, as Tyler's uh, retelling of uh, this version <laughs> um, it is, uh, and let me let me actually um, put this in the the Skype notes for you so you can. See, sure. Let me. Okay, I sent it over to you. Got it. Um, so uh, this is kind of a crude um, summary of it, um, but it's basically uh, premise one: uh, there are gratuitous evils. Uh, premise two: if God exists, then there would be no gratuitous evils. Uh, uh, conclusion: therefore, God does not exist. Um, the problem that that I have. So so it's it's. Um, it's technically a logically valid argument. It's a it's a modus tollens. Um, the problem is I have is that it, that it, it appears to me beg the question. Um, the only way to know that premise one is true or plausibly true is to already have a belief or or a position on the plausibility of the conclusion. So the only way we can know uh, he he says there exist instances of intense such suffering which and right that whole thing basically there there exist gratuitous evils the only way we'd know that those evils are gratuitous is if we already think if we already believe that god doesn't exist because if god doesn't exist those evils wouldn't be gratuitous even if we didn't know that they weren't gratuitous so I have a problem automatically with with premise 1. Um just because uh for for that simple reason that that I don't think you can um either uh say that it's true or it's probably true without already saying that the conclusion is true or probably true. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, yeah, it definitely does. And so initially your initial beef, if you will, um or objection concerns what what you know what's come to known as the factual premise, right? So so the theological premise being the second one, which purports, to, you know, to say what we think uh, a god of this sort would do, and the factual premise is the idea that there actually is gratuitous suffering in the first place and one thing um and so one thing there was what i immediately thought of when you were saying that is that it seems to me that and one of the maybe we'll get into this but one of the uh, responses and that i've come across in the skeptical theism literature is that even if there is a god it's and this is perhaps one of the most plausible uh, retorts i've heard actually um is that maybe there has to be gratuitous evil Uh, in such a way that that because that's the only way that you'd get people like us to to act so as to stop it right? right in other words so if it wasn't gratuitous then that would mean that we would assume there's a reason for it and we wouldn't bother to stop it and so this is just my initial thought of you know whether and why you know if whether it's even um, you know, possible for there to be a gratuitous evil, uh even if there was a god, so maybe there is maybe it has to be the case that there's gratuitous evil and there's a god um
1: yeah and i don't, and I don't go full on uh skeptical theists. I think there's some good things that come out of that type of position, uh some other problematic things right i, I mean here i could I could run a similar Calvinistic response on this one, and I could say, well, well, you know the only way to know it's gratuitous is is to already know um that God wouldn't have. Uh, a, a reason to to magnify his glory for it, um, or you know, as Plantinga would say, you, know, you you'd already have to know that there's no morally sufficient reason um, for allowing the evil. But the only way you could know that is if you possess the the, the property that you're saying that no being possesses, namely omniscience. Um, so there's no there's no way to know uh, or to believe that the first premise is 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 probable or even plausible um I- unless you 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 either think uh, that that you yourself are God and, and you're omniscient uh, or uh, that that you already think that that God probably doesn't exist
0: well um, uh, part, part of this just may be my understanding but again I, it seems to me that the idea here is that it's not that you have to know that it is but it's a pro- it's a matter of probability so it, it, what is does it see what what's more likely what would seem to be the case and so I mean I so I used the bad example earlier so but and you know, Roe, of course, famously used the example of the the uh, the baby deer, and you know, the idea, of course, is you imagine a forest fire, a, you know, a strike of lightning s- strikes and hit causes the fire. So uh, immediately, getting out of the whole free will defense issue, and the fire, you know, spreads throughout the forest, and at one point, it, it manages manages to engulf um uh, the, a, deer, uh, a a deer a a mother deer and and then the baby deer is sort of left behind with with horrible third degree burns but isn't compelled killed and right away and so the deer is left for days to just sit there and suffer now i don't want to use that example because again i think you could simply say that we don't know if they're even conscious for all we know a deer is just a a, a, a gra- organic robot and so there's no reason to think that there's any sort of real evil there because again like i said earlier if there's not consciousness and it's hard to really uh, to to make that make that work, but so wh- rather than that, like let's let's say take something like this would be something I would point to to try to uh, justify that first premise. Something like childhood leukemia. Like, would you grant me that childhood leukemia is not logically necessary, and therefore that God didn't have to bring about a state of state of affairs in which childhood leukemia existed? Would you grant me at least that?
1: Uh, well, yeah, but 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 that, but at that, but that, at that point. Not. But at that point, I'm going to say, well, um, in order for, for example, for a Calvinist response to go through, I don't need it to be logically necessary. Um, uh, see, see, part of part of, and this is this is where um, I criticize a lot of my fellow apologists. Is um, I have a hard time with with best possible worlds semantics.
0: Sure, sure. Um,
1: I, I, I I already have. I just I just already have an issue with thinking. Um, that that there's some type of, you know, feasibility range where this is the, this is the maximally um, best possible world. I I, uh, I I just don't, especially as a Calvinist, I, I just don't think that that, that that's, you know, very, very helpful. Um, yeah. So yeah. In, in order, for example, in order to say that, that childhood leukemia, and by the way, you know, I, I apologize to her, you know, we're talking about this so clinically and philosophically and cold, you know, we're not trying to, uh, you know, Come off. Come so off as heartless. Oh, you know, child leukemia, it's nothing. That that's not how we're going to, to come across at all. It, I mean, we're using it because it is so severe. Right. Um the the <clears throat> in order to say um, that childhood leukemia is gratuitous, to either know that it's gratuitous or to believe that it's probably gratuitous, right? So so this is a probabilistic version, it's an evidential version. It already requires – in order to know that it's gratuitous, you would have to know that God doesn't exist um, because if God exists, it wouldn't be gratuitous. Um,
0: but, but, but hold on. But again, I mean like some theists would, would say that in fact there has – even if God exists, there, fe- even, especially if God exists, it may be that there has to be gratuitous evil because only if there's gratuitous evil, that's the only sort of uh, situation I or state of affairs. Yeah, I, a, I
1: mean <laughs> at, at that where point – pe- at that point I would just say well they're just playing fast and loose with the term gratuitous because then the, I, I'm not sure how you can say something is gratuitous if it has a point <laughs> um, yeah so okay
0: I say and overall it has a point because yeah that <laughs> okay so
1: there. Well, yeah, sure. yeah so I, you know they you know at that point I would just say okay well you can call it whatever you want. Uh, you can say that that's gratuitous, but overall, there's a point. <laughs> there's a purpose. God,
0: you're, you're inadvertently making skeptical theism sound less plausible to me. <laughs> I,
1: you know, I'm not. I, I, this is this is one of the reasons why I don't necessarily. Like I said, I think there's some good things that come out of it. I wouldn't necessarily endorse it. Yeah, uh, as yeah. a as an overall um, great okay. position. Um. But uh. But again, even to say that it's improbable, the there has to be the inverse belief that that at least therefore God is not probable. But on a, if you're going to run Rose version, it's because right <laughs> now the Rose version is, is set up as a de- deductive version. If you're going to set, you know, it's yeah, a you're right, you're right. If you're going to re- if you're going to set it up as a probabilistic version, you're going to have to say there probably or there appears to exist, you know, instances of gratuitous suffering. And then the conclusion to to keep it valid would have to say therefore it appears that God or or it, it probably is the case that God doesn't exist. But all you're doing is, is, again, flipping the inverse. So in order to know that it's probably gratuitous, you would already have to be in a position where you believe that it's probably true that God doesn't exist. Because it, the, the, the amount of it, the probability that it's gratuitous is directly related to the improbability that you think God exists. So, so I, I, think, I, I just think that, it's, that in order to, to even uh, defend one, you have to beg the question of whatever a valid conclusion from one and two would be.
0: Well, so, um, and just it's worth noting that, like, the point made about, as it's stated, and as I sort of said it, it is in an inductive, or a deductive form, but it's 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 important to point out that he, in, in the article you know, in which this is presented, he does clarify that he does mean it in an evidential manner, and he, he I think the way he does that is he talks about, like, um, you know, just reasonable belief, or whatever, I, I forget, whatever it is, the way he sort of, uh, you know, qualifies it, but, right. um, but yeah, I, I, it's interesting because it, it's it, you, you, you sort of kind of touched on, um, a, a, I guess, kind of a great ending point and sort of a point that I wanted to ultimately make anyway, which is to say that I. I don't claim at least as my I, I keep sounding so indecisive, but as my, in my current state, I don't claim that the argument from evil in any form is necessarily going to be persuasive to say a theist, especially a theist who's like firmly uh, rooted in in their particular views and so one of the one of the points that is sort of almost become like a truism now in, in philosophy. Uh, and we we really want to get around this because it, it's that would mean that this argument is you know it, it doesn't it, re- it really is in the eye of the beholder to some extent. But the idea is that, like you said, I mean, it, our priors and the the point, the perspective that we're coming uh, from in the first place, very much affects the way or the extent to which this the any argument for evil is going to be persuasive. And specifically, like you said, I mean, if you believe that there is a god, well, then you have obviously very good reason to think that there's no such thing as gratuitous evils because if there is a god. Well then there isn't gratuitous evils right and uh, leaving aside the point I made there in and about some skeptical theists would and you know and you you' fantastic rejoinder, rejoinder to that but
1: yeah and but I, I think important. I think at this point and and, and this kind of came up on on your position where people are saying well look the problem of evil shows um, that kind of the the god of classical theism can exist and, and my point here is look the, the logical version uh, has a defeater and so so it, it fails going through. What, you know whether or not you're convinced by it the argument itself is is is, is not sound and then the, the, this the, the evidential and the probabilistic version by the by the way I, the, the critiques that I've given I think largely hold no matter how you formulate it. Um, so so in this case yeah. yeah you you know depending on your your previous you know beliefs um, you might find it probable. But in this case, that's not actually helpful because um, that that's directly related to. I think it's question begging. So imagine I gave the argument and I said, um, "Well, is
0: it is it not in a very similar way, just the same in reverse? It's both of us, in a sense, are, are approaching it with this with this already this view already, and that's affecting the way we see this this you know this first premise." Well, no, this, because
1: because uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying the first premise is false, right? I'm just saying it's it's it, the the defense of the premise. goes – aren't. No, I'm so, so I'm not. I'm not saying it's false. I'm saying you can't defend it as true.
0: So you're willing to allow for the existence of God and gratuitous evils.
1: So it, the 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 problem is, is that the way that it's stated, the only way that premise one could be true is if you already assume the the truth of the conclusion.
0: Well, again, okay, I so I don't, so I,
1: imagine I, I gave you this. Imagine I gave you this argument. Uh,
0: okay, go ahead.
1: there there exist true revelations from God. If God exists, there would be true revelations from God. Therefore, God exists. Right? And then if I said, look, you only deny one because of your previous beliefs, um, part of you is going to say, well, look, whether or not I personally believe it, that the, the way that it's stated, you're, you're begging the question. You're already assuming. So I don't even need to say whether I believe it or disbelieve it. It's that the argument itself, the way that it's structured is question-begging. Whether or not I find it convincing or unconvincing, right? So, so I think I think this version of the argument, whether or not I find it convincing or uh, convincing, or whether or not I think uh, premise one is true or false, uh, the problem is is that in order for premise one to be true, the 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 defense already has to assume the truth of the conclusion. Which is which is logically fallacious. So I, I think I think that the argument itself um, is is invalid. And I haven't really heard a version of the evidential or probabilistic version of the argument that doesn't do this, um, because it always has to sneak in gratuitous evil. Uh, it always has to talk about some type of evil that's gratuitous or unnecessary or, um, or, or 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 improbable on the exist. Right. But but in order for any of that to hold. Sure. The conclusion already has to be assumed, um, which which is just going to be problematic. So so I think there I think there's a deeper problem. I think there's a defeater for the argument um, in a way that's different than just saying, well, uh, depending on your conception that you come to it, right? Because because I can look at it and I can say, well, you know, I believe the existence of God is real, and I believe that there's that there's um, that there's actual you know true revelation from God. But that example of that argument I gave I would say is is unsound uh you know it's invalid i think I think that you know that argument that I, the 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 premises uh would require the truth of the conclusion, and so I would never make that argument even though i, I think all three premises are true um does that does that kind of make sense
0: well sure sure it it does and i mean that i I kind of why I kind of wanted to lay out that kind of caveat there that I mean, I don't, I'm not going to necessarily say that I can, I I personally, I do think that, um, you know, someone, I think there are plenty of philosophers out there who, again, who would disagree with with what you're saying and that, you know, that you can formulate an argument for people that um, that is more than just, uh, well, certainly that doesn't just beg the question. Like, at least I, I mean. I, maybe I'm wrong here but again I don't in my, in my take on the literature it isn't that that's the critique like the critique right now for instance is again is this is skeptical theism is and that, that's that whole that Rose evidential argument has spawned this this whole field you know subfield within philosophy religion the field of skeptical theism and that the whole idea there is they're getting into the, the you know the no inference whether or not it's reasonable to, to uh, infer from the fact that we don't see reasons that there are no reasons Right. And that, that to me is very, I think that's a great, you know, it's a great thing to get into. And in spite of the fact that you, (laughs) you have your reservations, but I don't, I don't, it just seems to me that, uh, this goes both ways and at least to some extent that like if you, I, and also, I mean, I, I, you had a good point about the gratuitous evil, I think, and how. Um, there would seem to be, in some sense, there's some sort of reason, even though it's gratuitous. But I mean, it's the, the, obviously, what you realize they would they would just kind of bracket it and say, qual- you know, gratuitous star or something, you know, gratuitous with respect to us. Like, obviously, God may have a reason to allow it, but it's gratuitous with respect to us. Like, there's no, you know, and it has to be that way because, and way other- again, otherwise why would we respond i mean if we if it was all if everything that happened in the world every rape every murder every you know disease if it was you know like something like the dentist appointment you know where we, it's not gratuitous right and then that's that it makes sense to me at least that that sort of world is not the sort of world that he would uh, you know that this sort of god would want but i don't know i i i i now we're getting towards the end now and I, we're getting to that point where uh, probably should start. I should probably start concluding and saying my my concluding remarks. I imagine, huh?
1: Yeah, I will. Uh, I I got to wrap up. We maybe have uh, like two more minutes, um, and okay. then uh, because I recorded my bedroom, uh, it is it is uh, bedtime <laughs> uh, for for my wife and I. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So let me uh, go ahead and have. I'll give you the uh, as the guest. You can have the the right of, of final response, and then we'll we'll wrap up from there.
0: No, oh, okay. So again, like, I, first of all, let me just uh, thank you for having me on the show. Like, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I respect uh, not just your your views, and it, I'm coming from an atheist. I hope you you know, like that that means a lot to you because I really do. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and I don't believe, for instance, that theists are are just irrational. Like I'm not going to say that. Right. So I respect your views, and I respect more more importantly, I respect uh, you know your rigor, your intellectual rigor on these matters. And I really appreciate how you challenge me because again, it's going to help clarify my views. And I don't want to I don't want to have a view that's wrong. And right. so if atheism is wrong, I don't want to be an atheist. Right. And so I I look forward to you perhaps changing my <laughs> mind. Not to mention the fact that in certain ways assuming certain things about the God, like I wouldn't, there are certain gods that I wouldn't want to have anything to do with, right? But assuming what, that the sort of God is the sort of God that I would, you know, like the sort of friendly God that I would be a part to, I mean, I hope you're right to some extent. I mean, I, or maybe just like this, if God is just, like I have, if there is a God, and if God is just, and if I have any idea what just means, and like, maybe you don't think I do, but if I have any idea what that means, and I would like that to be true, that there is a just God. Because I don't like the idea that someone like Hitler or you know Jeffrey Dahmer and so on and so forth just gets to die, um, especially Dahmer, right? Because he died uh, – the serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer died pretty much with the idea that he was going to heaven because he had converted and he was under the impression that once you convert – and we can always question whether he genuinely converted, right? But he was under the impression, at least, as as some other people, that he was going to heaven. Um, and so, yeah. But so anyway, so I I, I thank you, I thank you for having me on the show, and I, I thank uh, I thank the listeners for taking the time to listen to me stumble through a lot of this stuff. Uh, I, I suppose one of the things I would I would just want to say, in uh, in sort of in conclusion, to, to uh, draw the strings together, as as Craig always says in his <laughs> in his debates. Um, is, look, I, whether or not the logical problem of evil and the evidential evidential argument from evil, and we didn't even get into the existential, uh, existential, 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 wow, existential problem, excuse me, uh, which is a whole other issue, and it's worth getting into, and it actually has a lot to do with my life and my particular life journey, the existential issue. Um, and again, it has to do with sort of the personal experience of, of suffering and what that actually does to one's faith, right? Um, but just leaving that all that aside uh i just it's hard for me to imagine um the a god that would stand by and sort of and would allow the sort of things that happen in our world i mean it's just it's just purely you know shooting from the hip here like i when i look at the world i see things like i mean there are children that you know in the in the span of our conversation right there are hundreds of children who And obviously these are innocent children okay? because we're talking about children here who died of just absolutely horrendous deaths and who suffered in, in a horrific way. Um, and it, it just seems to me that just as if I was a place in a position where uh, I had the capacity to help these children or had the capacity to stop something um, that therefore I would be obligated to do so and that if I didn't do so that I would be morally culpable – uh, it seems to me that same sort of thing works when we're, when we're considering God and in the context of evil, and, uh, and so leaving aside all the sophisticated theological responses that I know there are, and one thing that philosophers of any persuasion are good at is finding ways to justify and rationalize their beliefs, right? I mean that's what, kind of what I said earlier about religious people. I don't, I'm not claiming that religious people are stupid or something like that. The atheists that say that are stupid. I mean if anything, smarter people, whatever their faith or lack of faith is, they have – they're better equipped to make sense and to provide justification for their views, right? right. And so, yeah, so I I just – that all that being said, I just – when I look at the world around me, I – as of right now, I find it impossible to believe that there's a God out there that cares about us. Uh, and that um, that has us in mind, and that really, and that and that leaves open there could be all sorts. There could be evil gods, you know. There could be a committee of gods that all work together, or to rather, all <laughs> that all go back and forth as to you know how they want the world to be. And and maybe there are arguments that can be made to say that that better explains the world, right? But I just you know again speaking from the gut, I personally have yet to be convinced um, that um, that there is a god, and furthermore that I that that evil isn't an issue and even if uh even if the evidential version and the logic version doesn't run i still think there's 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 a problem here and i uh you know again i i i leave it to you and to those who are are more qualified on these issues to to really duke it out and and again i hope to i hope to kind of get into this more and hopefully i can add more to the uh the lecture on this matter but you know yeah as of right now yeah i have i unfortunately i have not you have not converted me sir not yet
1: well well, I'm I'm a good enough Calvinist to know that that I would never be the one that would convert you. You you leave it you leave it to me, and I leave it to God. Um, so, Corey, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate having you here. Um, if, if people want to um, follow you, follow some of your articles. How can they How can they find you?
0: Uh, So you can – the first thing you can do is you can uh, go to atheistrepublic.com, and from there you can go to the blogs, and then the blogs is a little option to sort of go go further into and choose the different authors, the different blogs. And so you just go there and look up Corey Markham, um, and hopefully you'll like my posts so I can have more likes on Facebook and uh, (laughs) – I add that a little in there. And then uh, you also I have uh, had an issue I had an article rather in uh, the issue a recent issue of Skeptic magazine about new death experiences. So if you're interested in that area, uh, especially if you're interested to see what an atheist happens to think about that stuff, you know, I would say that uh, look for that too and so you can find that in Barnes and Noble or online and so on. And also I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be on unbelievable again here in the next couple of weeks debating more or less debating this issue but more specifically debating the issue that we touched upon um, in which you know whether or not atheism uh, is even appropriate is even uh, capable of running the the problem of evil, uh, because some would argue that uh, in doing so you have to affirm more realism, and again you can't do that without God. So, so yeah, so maybe look forward to that, and or you know look out for that one, and uh, yeah. Otherwise, I, I, I'm working on the book, and maybe one day we'll have it released. But I, I don't know; it's taken forever.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. um Thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to hearing you on on Unbelievable. I'll be I'll be uh, I, I think I'm actually on 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 that at least on your side. I'll be interested to see how your your opponent says uh, that in order to run an internal argument, you need to from the outside uh, assume. So uh, <laughs> I yeah. think that was something that you and I agreed on. So I I yes. uh, for for one of the rare times, I might be on the side of the atheist on the Unbelievable show. So. Um, uh, that'll be a, that'll be an interesting experience. Well, that uh,
0: warms my heart, Tyler.
1: <laughs> I, I'm that's that's really that's really why I'm here to just to warm <laughs> just to warm your heart. You you can uh, you can let them know that you have theists uh, who agree with you on this one too, at least about that. Uh, so uh, thank you very <laughs> much right. for coming on. It, it was a pleasure having you. We'll have to have you on again, uh, dealing with some of the other issues that we touched on uh, sometime in the future. Thanks again for joining us.
0: Oh well, thank you so much, Tyler. So
1: that was the final episode of my discussion with my friend and atheist, Corey Markham. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you again for joining us. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, commendations, or condemnations, feel free to contact us at freethinkerpodcast at gmail.com. Visit the blog, freethinkerpodcast.blogspot. Visit the Freed Thinker Facebook group to get in a bunch of discussions with myself and Corey there if you'd like to continue the discussion with him. So again, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time. Good night, and God bless.